Okay, and here we are. We're at... Uh... <laughs> We're at the Bafo studio. Yeah. Bafo. We're talking to Rick Denzine. Uh, this is your host, Hal Aaron Cohen, and welcome to Tales, Tales of the Road, Road Warriors! Warriors. Live from Bafo Studios in Ambler, PA, a great little burb outside of Philly. It's home to great food, music, artsy little boutiques, and street fairs and festivals. Today, Rick Denzine talks to me about his parents, who were amateur race car drivers. That's right, he's, he's the son of a real hard-drinking and smoking NASCAR mama. Uh, we talk about the Formula E events, uh, regular formula racing, all-electric cars that go 200 miles an hour. And they hardly make a sound. I, I was asking him about that lack of smell of fuel and cars exploding. Uh, but anyway, let's see. We talked about his younger days as a guitar slinger. But uh, then the green activist Rick certainly kicked back in. And he took a short de detour to speak briefly about littering. To be honest, I admire Rick's commitment to keeping the planet free of poisons and garbage and burning fossil fuels. But I have to admit, I haven't been one of the Earth's greatest stewards myself. I do clean up after my dog. Well, on one hand, I do that. But on the other hand, I use a plastic bag. Sorry, Rick. Well, then we got into the world of phony phone calls because, well, let's face it, what else do you do with your very first tape recorder in those days? Uh, heads up, you better beware because I told him about the celebrity soundboards on E-Bomb's world. So I may have awakened the prankster within. Sorry, folks, I didn't know. Uh, then we talked some more about recording and winning contests, reckless driving, and a crazy invention that allows you to safely jump out the window of a skyscraper. And by the way, where are our jetpacks? We try to answer that question as well. Uh, or the fire hose that we could ride like in the show Jackass. Or Mar Marty McFly's Airboard from Back to the Future. Then, once again, we're talking about recy recycling and repurposing bags and eating utensils and people's pissing in streams before getting to some stories about pissing off club owners and promoters across Europe before ultimately making friends with the guy. Uh, an old girlfriend tells Rick she's pregnant just before he's about to go on stage. And finally, he tells the story about how the lens falls out of his glasses, but one of the backup vocalists saves the day when she repairs the glasses by using her fingernail as a screwdriver, which leads us to come up with a new invention. Uh, then we end up talking about the Lyra Project, which is the original duo of Rick Denzine and his wife, Deborah Lee. And a little shout out to American Idol runner-up, Justin Gardini. Then I drop a few names for good measure, and the whole thing ends in a cliffhanger when Deborah Lee still hasn't come back from her friend's house. Uh, she did finally show up when I was heading out the door, but we'll catch up with the Lyra Project, uh, which is the duo of Rick Denzine and Deborah Lee, later this year. So right now, let's talk to Rick Denzine. So, welcome, Rick. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being had. I'm being had. Well, we're about to be had. Who knows? <laughs> we won't take it. We're a victim of the scheme. <laughs> so I think we should just go right to the beginning because uh, I don't know much about your roots. Uh, were you born in a musical family or did you pick it up later? Uh, well, my, my mother was musical, but my uh, both my mom and dad were amateur race car drivers. So uh, semi semi amateur or semi pro, whichever you want to say, and uh, so I was bouncing around the track 
like the night before I was born and not to disrespect my mother or anything, but like she was smoking cigarettes and kicking some back, you know. A real NASCAR mama. Oh yeah, she was a NASCAR mama. That's why they <laughs> named me Ricky Jerry. So I was like, it's my NASCAR name. That's my NASCAR name. Yeah, that's why I changed my Facebook. Was because you know, like I just wanted to have a because you had you can't have a Facebook page that's your entertainment page plus your actual name. So I I, I just had to go with my NASCAR name. So what would she say today, seeing you driving a Leaf with <laughs> that has no fumes? There's nothing that really excite a NASCAR mama. Well, she she likes the speed because the the instant torque is way better than any gas car. Mm. It's like instantaneous torque, and you just go flying you know so uh with the gas cars you hit the pedal and nothing really happens especially if you hit the pedal hard if you hit the pedal hard really nothing happens Uh you can stop the engine there's a formula e now there's uh in uh, for electric cars oh really there's a there's a couple of uh really interesting events formula e is probably one of the most exciting right and uh i think it's the the dragon team is like uh, sponsored pretty heavily by some guys that are making the uh, Faraday Future car, okay. which is pretty nice. Um, but uh, it's regular Formula racing, and these guys go by at you know two, three hundred miles an hour. But like, shoo, all you hear is the wind. It's like wow. really nice, yeah. And I mean, they have accidents too, but there's no fuel to catch on fire and everything like that. So right. you might well, see a fist fight. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do the batteries ever explode? No, no. The the battery <laughs> Don't management. Don't people go to those car things to, just to see like, watch cars yeah, explode? You can see cars explode, see engines explode, see the <laughs> see the oil slicks all over the place. Yeah, they have to kind of rig the batteries to kind of like to blow set a little spark. And yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, most of, most of the cars, not all, but uh, I'll let you'll see. Like uh, the experimental, like solar cars, uh, right. if they're doing an experiment with like a different um, battery chemistry, I've seen those cars uh, have issues because uh, the chemistry is not proven. But like in a, in a Nissan Leaf or you know Tesla, they have, they they're, it's it they're very solid. Not that you know they've never had issues, but the point of fact is that in in the United States alone, a car. Gas cars catch on fire every 4.65 seconds, according to the National Fire Protection Association in Quincy, Massachusetts. Right? Well, yeah. So that's like uh, that's uh, that's a, you could set your watch by that, right? And uh, so oh look, a car just, just exploded. Yeah, just uh, just while we we're talking, right? <laughs> and uh, most of them are related to uh, you know either you know bad gas lines or electrical fire. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I heard what? a car. I thought I heard one explode just then. <laughs> just right now. Hang on. Yeah, it's in uh, the background. <laughs> so cars rhyme with guitars. So when did that all start with you? With with uh oh, with playing guitar. Yeah. Well, um, my 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 first day of high school uh, was shut down because of a protest. Right. So even though like uh, I was not political or anything like that at the time or i was definitely in boy scouts so i had like an environmental tip going on from a very early time our uh our scoutmaster said you know leave the campsite better than when you found it right and right. uh which is a kind of a standard thing but they actually went so far as to say like pick up that piece of trash well that's not mine mr mcdonald right? it doesn't matter if it's yours pick it up right and right. then and then they got to the point where they said you know, 
if you just pass a piece of trash, it's just as bad as if you threw it there yourself. So that was like the kind of standard that we had. Yeah. Right. And um, I kind of grew up with a little bit of that. Yeah. Embedded, uh, imbued in, in me too. Yeah. yeah. And it's 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 kind of a good thing. And too many, you know, people just they they they're they're slobs or. <laughs> Are <laughs> they just not aware or both or whatever? Are they just, you know, who's going to pick this stuff up? Well, you get a, a couple billion people dropping trash everywhere. It's no wonder it's a mess, you know. And you, you have a couple guys trying to clean it up. That's not a good ratio, you know. If yeah. Everybody just picks it up after themselves is much better, you know. But you got to teach people. Absolutely. Yeah. Up in uh, up in Binghamton, you know, they have a uh, they have carousels everywhere. Mm-hmm. So seven or eight of them, you know. So merry-go-rounds, and you, and uh, you can ride these merry-go-rounds for free so long as you pay the price to get into the merry-go-round. Oh, okay. Yeah, you paid for entrance to the park. So you got merry-go-round. Yeah. Like, so you got to you got to pay, and they they charge an incredible amount. They make you bring a piece of trash. So you bring the trash and you put it in the bin, bin and then you can ride the carousel. Right. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Now, the, do you have to clean. get all off and then go back in line? Or you just stay on it? <laughs> you just stay you on it. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> you got to get your trash. But the park is clean, which is good, you know? Right. It's nice. So I thought we were talking about the guitars. Oh, the guitars. Well, uh, my my uh, my dad really wasn't so much of a music person. He sort of discouraged it. And I think it was uh, kind of because my uncle was a probably, a, well, he was a, he was a jazz musician, and he was of like, I mean, he's he went in, into the clubs when he was 15. So he was a, he was like an organ player, trumpet player, and uh, he would play, you know, trumpet and organ and pet, you know, and the pedals all at the same time, right? And uh, he had a little recording studio in his house, and he was cutting direct, so he had a lathe, right? Right. And, and this is like back in the 40s, right? And so my my mom would participate in that kind of thing and my mom played like tuba piano and that kind of thing and my you know it was kind of cool it was a musical family so, so she was more musical than your dad oh yeah it sounds like you got you got interested more in the techie end of it before the instrument end i was actually uh recording uh like phony phone calls i, I figured out i figured out that um the the telephone line that came into my bedroom that didn't have a phone on it i figured out that if you click the wires together you could dial somebody so (laughs) so i was i was uh you know i'd hook up my tape recorder to the to the phone line with my cheesy microphone and i would click the wires together and record phony phone calls right and that's that's what i was doing i would would bug my sister's room so what's an example of like Uh, i was a stupid kid most of the time we were scared and just hung up but it was like it was like especially the first couple of times because it was like completely random you know yeah did you tell people like they won money well no but it was like you know the uh like uh jobs and wasnick and all those guys yeah you know uh the bell tell was after them you know because it was strictly illegal to actually hook up any devices to the phone system period you couldn't oh, do it. Right. I, I didn't have an idea. It was illegal. I was just being a kid, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Did you ever go to E-Bombs <laughs> World where they have the sound clips of the celebrities? No, no. And then you could, like, call somebody up oh. and hold it up to the phone oh, and, and be and like, fake it. this is Arnold. I'll be back. You know, like... It, it, I'll be back. Or, or uh, <laughs> the, the best ones are, um, what's his name? Uh, the, the little 
the, the little guy. It, oh, Yoda? No, it was in <laughs> Lethal Weapon and uh, and uh, Goodfellas. You know, you find me funny? That guy. Oh, uh, yeah, right, right. Yes. And uh, a bunch of sound bites from him. And, you know, and it'd be like very I'm profound, going, I'm, I'm profane. A, I'm going there to get those. Because I need those for people. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. They're great. I, I'm pretty sure they're still there. I haven't checked lately. <laughs> so then you were um, fascinated by the, the recording, uh, your ability to record, and then got into what, multi-tracking? Uh, I guess in high school, we started doing um, a little bit of like uh, spoof recording. Like we, we wrote like... Uh, like different plays and recorded them and so everybody had a part and we would just record those and uh, my friend actually had a like a sound on sound reel to reel that we would do that on um, and then um, a fr another friend of mine uh, who actually got me started on on guitar actually you know how, how old were you so then? I was about 16 when all this happened so just probably first year of high school something like that uh, he was writing a radio play, right? And it was, uh, you know, kind of a journey type of uh, play. And he wrote a bunch of original songs for it. And I became a contributor in that play, right? Okay. And so we rehearsed it in his living room and we recorded the whole thing. And we had a little radio station at the school. So it broadcast over the, you know, at this on the school radio, which means nobody heard it. And, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I didn't know this, but he sent it in to... Uh, like to this radio day thing you to know, make sure everybody heard it. So everybody heard it, and uh, we won first prize Yay. for this thing. So we went down to St. Bonaventure University, and um, you know, I was, I was, you know, we're in. He had a beautiful restored, like I guess Fairlane 500 convertible or something, and it was just gorgeous, right? And he was driving down this whiny road down to St. Bonaventure, and I'm trying to play this chord. And he, he's no, no, it's not that, not that. And I'm, While I'm, you're I'm, driving? Well, I'm yeah, I'm in the rider's seat. He's driving, and and I'm I'm like no, no. He says no, and I'm I'm trying to I'm going like this, like this, and he goes no, give me that thing, and he grabs the guitar out of my hand. He goes here, you drive, and he goes it's like this, and I'm, <laughs> I'm holding onto the steering wheel going this crazy oh, wow. road. It was insane. He goes like this. <laughs> I never forgot how to play that chord. Tell you that, <laughs> <laughs> or the never stop being grateful that you live to play that chord is <laughs> like <Wow>. this. <laughs> Give me so, that thing. <laughs> is that about that coincide like when you wrote your first song too? No, I didn't. I wasn't <laughs> writing at all, and and we, we just, that would inspire me to write something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I call it the ah song. Ah, yeah. No, it was it was a good trip. Uh, the uh, you know. The, the thing is, like, they, they, they had the whole team of us up, you know, to, to receive this award. And um, I was hooked. I go, man, this is unbelievable. This is so cool that we, we did this thing in the living room. Yeah. And then, you know, it got all the way up through this process. And then here we are at St. Bonaventure. There's thousands of people there. It was like, yeah, it was. If it happened today, it would have probably gone viral. Yeah, right? it could have, could have, you know. So, so yeah, some of the songs in. Uh, I was up in uh, Buffalo, I guess, what was it, uh, 2011 on tour, Michael Ronstadt and I and some of our friends, and uh, I met Bob Sheely again up there. It was, it was fun to see him. He's still playing out, you know, so 
It's kind of like you. He plays still driving with, uh, <laughs> no. like, with his foot on the gas and somebody else holding the wheel. <laughs> That's right. That's what this song's all going to be, yeah. <laughs> Here, you hold this. <laughs> Give me that thing. Drive. <laughs> hold my wheel. <laughs> Instead of hold my beer. Mm-hmm. So now here we are in this beautiful studio. When when did you start to do do all this? You've had quite a few people come through here of note. Well, I we yeah, I started the studio in the top of my house, a couple of blocks from here, and uh, it was on the third floor, and it was one single room, and it was like it was like was it was about the size of the drum booth really, <laughs> okay. which. For those of you who can't see it, it, it's about an eight by ten, you know, area, which is the drum booth. My whole studio used to fit in there. The board, the speakers, all my keyboard junk. It was packed. Right, and this studio has a room just for the drums alone. Right, yeah, it's all nice and comfy in there. Hi, Mr. Drummer. So, um, so that's where we started it. And um, at the time, you know, I was uh, my my day job was my own company. And uh, I had joined up with a team of guys that invented this product that you could jump out the window with, and uh, and live, right? Okay. So it was it was from pretty, how high? Uh, uh, twelve stories. Really? Was yeah. It like a mini parachute or something. It was like it was like a, a big giant cushion. I should, anywhere I should show butt? it. I should show it to you, but I don't have one in here. But um, it was like a, it was like a, a tape measure, okay, with brakes on it and a harness. Huh. Made out of steel, you know, so it wouldn't melt and all that. And uh, so there, there, basically four of us on it that were responsible for its final design. It's something you wear? It's not, it's not like a no, parachute. It's, no, it, it, the whole thing fit into a shaving kit size, you know, deal like leather and everything. And you, you'd open it up, and the the kit would be there. All you had to do is unseal it, you know, the, put the harness on. It was already there. Hook the thing up to anything that was solid it wasn't going to come out the window at with you you know right and, and uh you you could then uh you know descend down to the ground so yeah so i actually set up a manufacturing thing right here in town to actually to make that thing we made thousands of them right here in town right and uh we at this at the same time that that's right about the same time i, I set up the studio it was right about that same time that reminds yeah. me. Where's our jetpacks? Jet, we yeah. yeah, right. They kept showing the guy with the jetpack, like yeah, like 007. They have they and have we like also, several versions of those. I you know, know, but we were they were all supposed to be like so affordable. Everybody would have one by now. I like the jackass version the best, where they just ride the fire hose. <laughs> I think that's the best version I've seen so far. <laughs> I, I forget if it's Jackass 1 or 2, but I love that one. He's <laughs> riding the fire hose. <laughs> well, still, you're limited in how far you could go with a fire hose. That's I, right. I want the thing that just straps it's on safe. and you're good to go. Sail above the traffic, down below. I know. It'll happen. I, I have faith it's still going to happen. Well, everybody says that, and uh, every once in a while you see one of these things on, on uh, YouTube or on Facebook that says, yeah, here's this self-driving thing, and... Yeah, yeah, the good. least we could have, we could all have, is uh, uh, like those um, airboards, air like the skateboards, like uh, Mar Marty, uh, oh, Marty, right. Marty McFly right. did right. in Back to the right. Future. We could, we, 
I saw at least have those. I saw Nas from uh, Wu Tang Clan, and uh, they he actually went into a lab where they actually have a working prototype. Doesn't go very far, doesn't go very high, but it actually floats, and it actually has. It's not like from forced air power. Yeah. It actually has some kind of a thing. So, well, I've seen some YouTube videos that, that yeah. showed some things like that and some prototypes but it's hard to tell if it's uh you know special effects or if it's real i could tell you the super rich are going to need all those you know self-driving you know uh, capable vehicles pretty soon because if they keep letting it go like it's going right you know they're going to need to get up and out and over all that poorness you know right yeah just take off go to mars and start a colony there it looks like that's what they're trying to do now well, it's a, I, ultimately, for humanity, I think it's a good idea. But the uh, the, uh, the the way that the uh, what I was kind of referring to was the uh, the leaving behind of uh, humanity yeah. in favor. You know, the few uh, get everything, and you know, some people call it capitalism, but we really don't have a, a system where we have capitalism. We have a social capitalism system where the rich get richer. Devolution. Yeah. yeah, and the complete absence of um compassion right right yeah when you avoid a compassion and and your and your only goal is to make money avoid a compassion you know, only interested yeah. in trashing right that's it that's right Mm-mm-mm. so i have an app that uh like say if you want to be uh a little more socially aware in your purchases and there are these oil guys, like the Koch brothers, you know, they, and, and these guys own like very large companies that are known polluters, known offenders of the environment, known uh, killers of the people, right? So you can get this app and it'll, and you can scan products and it'll tell you whether they make them or not. So if you, if you uh. like, right, so you don't have to buy like Dixie cups would be a good example, right? right. You don't have to buy that particular product. You buy an alternative, right? So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's kind of important that we start to figure out how to direct our dollar since we have very few of these things, you know. I got a permanent straw just because I, you know, then then I don't have to ever have a straw again. I know in Ambler here, uh, two weeks ago, I was at the Borough Council meeting and uh, we we're uh, trying to get through a uh, an ordinance to ban all straws, single-use plastic cups, you know, whether they're... Uh, you know, and, and especially styrofoam. Anything that's made out of styrofoam or polystyrene, that kind of stuff, it doesn't break down. It's it's a problem. Right. And uh, there's really no need for it. Like, you know, there's there's all these other alternative products. Like, if you go to the Weaver's Way over here... Um, so, okay. so let me ask you this. Because the show is called Tales of the Road Warriors, Tales of the Road Warriors. And it's a musical show. Do you have some one or two good tales of uh, you know? So I'm opening for Icarus, right? And uh, and I when go. Was this? Oh, this is pff, late '90s, right? Late okay. '90s, right? And uh, so they go. I go. Where's the green room? Where's the changing room? Right? And they go. Well, you could you could go down there. <laughs> so I go. I go down, and it's it's their room where they keep all of the beer and the the, the sodas right uh-huh. but it's flooded so they got four by fours on the ground right on this on the floor and i had to change standing on a four by four but it's glam life right i love that right yeah at least you didn't fall in i didn't fall in no what i was i was on tour in were um, you much of a drinker or like were you into the whole not really no or anything? you don't know because anybody got into no. that Yes. I didn't. I didn't actually try weed till I was like in my forties, I think. Yeah. yeah, 
I tried that young, but then I stopped like almost immediately too. I just didn't, uh, I couldn't uh, handle too much. Yeah. So I just stopped. It made Why? me sleepy. It made me just really? want to crash. Just, just sleep. That, fall yeah. asleep. Well, it, tur- it turns out I'm I'm immune, you know. But I was uh, it was just one of these things where I I, I recognized that my some some of my family were alcoholics, right? Mm-hmm. So I recognized that I might have that addictive gene. You know, you know, you know, you just don't know, right? Right. So I sort of avoided yeah, all got, that kind of stuff. Just told you yeah. to stay away. I didn't have my first beer until I was like twenty three or twenty four. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, no, I was I was on tour in in Europe. And you just know you don't know how you can piss people off sometimes, but I seem to always have this this uh, gift for pissing off the owner somehow, right? Right. So I don't know how I do it. By what? Not buying anything? No, like you, you wanted to sell you a beer, and you're like, I don't drink. No, you you roll you like you roll into this like club. Like I I I, I did a, a a gig under contract that was booked by somebody else, right? And it was you know unbeknownst to me, it was a cover tune gig. But like I don't do cover tunes, I would do all originals. But right. but it was like three forty fives, right? Yeah. So no problem. I can do all originals for f- that long, you know, and not repeat, you know. And and it was it was fine. And and the the the, the stage was actually behind the bar. So the bar, yeah, it was a weird setup. The the bartenders huh. were in front of me, and the whole bar thing, and then people were uh, beyond that in in the bar. And to get out of there, you had to like literally go underneath the bartender's hatch, you know, to get out of there, right? Oh, they must have loved that. Oh, so I'm, you know, I set up and everything, and I, I'm doing my 45, and and right on the wall is a freaking clock, you know, you can see, okay, 45, and it was 45:15, right? So I was taking, my, I was taking my break, and this guy just comes up to me and says, "Well, you should probably get back up there." <laughs> he said, "Well, I will, but I'm on my break, you know." And he goes, "No, I really think you should get back up there, like right, right, right away." And I go, I, well, I will, but like I'm on my break, you know, so thanks. And he goes, no, I really mean it. You should get up there right now, right? And I go, pal, I go, I'm on my break. I did 45, I'm on 15, and I'll be back up there. You know, I appreciate your fanship and everything, but I, you know, I'm on my break. Thank you. And next thing I know, the manager comes up, right? Who I knew, the manager he goes, we got to take a walk. So he takes me back, 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 back down into some kind of you know back room with a with a little with a with a yeah with a little short door, (laughs) and he goes, "We're gonna have to let you go." This is that. This is actually after my first set, right? Right. And I I go, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Well, you you pissed off the owner. That was the owner that was talking to you back there, and you know." And I said, "I said, dude, I'm I'm on my 15. I'm still on my 15, right? All this is happening on my break right now, right? right? And I'll get back up and I'll sing some more, right?" Yeah. He goes, "No, we're gonna let we're gonna let you go." I I go, "Okay, fine, just pay me." Well, we're not gonna pay you, and I go, "Okay, that's cool, but I'll see you in court Monday, right? And you will pay me, right?" Right, because they they're not going to allow that to, ha- to happen. I have a contract, by the way, that you signed, right? right? So, and I get paid whether I sing or whether I don't. So you can decide. So uh, I sang one more set, and then they paid me for the both nights, and then I was out of there. That was it. Huh. Really, really pissed off the owner that time. What what happened? Well, there was another uh, thing that was weird. I was I was on tour in Europe. And we got to the show, and it was like a, it was a small festival type thing. So there was a there was a big stage, elevated stage, and then they had like lighting trusses, right? And so I'm looking at the lights, and, and all we did was we just rolled up, we just 
unpacked our junk and we're just standing on the stage looking out at this empty space, you know, and, and we see the lights. And I'm looking at the gels. I'm going, there's too much magenta on this side. Because <laughs> it was all magenta, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, from that, the promoter who was standing right there at the time, I didn't know, right? Yeah. There was the guy. Um, he thought it was some kind of American prima donna, right? So he rode my ass like every single second about every single thing because he thought I was like demanding some lighting change. And I was just making a comment. There's like, there's too much magenta on this side, right? Right, right. So it, it was like, and I was in his area because he. Like, hey, sound man, can I get a little bit more? It was way worse than that. He took it really seriously personally. He wasn't even the lighting guy. He was just the promoter, right? Right. <laughs> so, you know, I was with these these people, and on this one particular tour, it was um, they had different promoters in different areas, and so the, these guys would bid on the talent, and then they had you for like a period of time, and then they would like put you in all these different places, right? Yeah. So I was with this guy for a while. <laughs> so, so um, they had uh, a break. So all the crew and everything is going on this break. And uh, uh, we're going to have like this little fun, little bonding experience, but, but we're in Holland, right? And so their idea of a real fun time was to get a bunch of rowboats and row down the canal, right? Right. So we row and row and row for what seemed to be like forever. Had to be hours of rowing, right? And we finally get to this giant river, right? right. And a lot of boat traffic, big boat traffic on this river going by. And somehow he wants to go over to the other side of the river. Well, you know, it looks like it's freaking dangerous because it's a, it's a traffic with all this, you know, these boats and everything. We're in low with these rowboats and oh, we're going across this river. Great. I'm guessing it was probably like maybe... Uh, a quarter mile, maybe a half mile wide, you know, something like that. And so we get to the other side. And there's wide a nice, enough. Yeah, it was wide enough, and there was big, you know, big channel and whatnot. And so we get to the other side. There's this dock, and it was fun because then everybody could get out of the rowboats and jump into the water and swim. It was it was kind of a blast. So I'm sitting on the dock doing doing that thing with everybody, and this guy Victor, his name is Victor. He go he he and I look out into the channel, and there's this pipe coming out of the channel out there with you know it's like black white black white black white like this it was a, it was a buoy marker but it was permanent it wasn't like a floaty floaty right. thing it was and it had like a ladder on the side right yeah um so we both look at that at the same time and he he basically just like looks at me because you don't have enough balls because you're a fucking prima donna right to swim out there right and climb that thing and jump that's what that's what he said to me like telepathically or something right, right. So he didn't <laughs> so, have to actually say it out loud no <laughs> so we we both jump in the water at the same moment <laughs> and we're racing to swim out to this thing you know so we get there we climb up to the top and we get all the way up to the top, and he's looking at me. You don't have the balls to jump off this thing, and I, and I and we just t totally jump off into the thing. And after that, he was like my best friend. That's funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you weird. met the challenge. Yeah, you met the Victor challenge. He, he thought it was some kind of you know, <laughs> you know, what are, what are they Who's called? the Victor yeah, now? Yeah, dude. Yeah, we do it. We well, we both did. So we were both the victors. He loved it after that. Nothing to do with music. No, yeah, but it, well, you were when you. You were on tour in, yeah. in Holland, so yeah. it's like part of it's. You know, you might have been off duty at the time. We were off duty. Yeah, 
It was off duty. So anything? It was our day off. Anything crazy happened while you were on duty, like on stage? What's the largest audience you played in front of? Uh, about six thousand. That's a yeah. decent sized crowd. Okay, so yeah, so so okay, so that was a good story. Otherwise, you're going to force me to tell you one of my stories. So okay, <laughs> so this is kind of a sad story, but um, I'm I it was a it was a really good gig. It was going to be a great thing. I'm opening, and it was it was a nice a nice spot, and it was in a it was an arena. So I'm about to about half hour. We're in the back, you know, down the cement tunnel where there's they have like these rooms where you can hang out and whatnot. So we're in the room. My girlfriend at the time comes up to me and says, I think I'm pregnant. This is like a half hour before the show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, what the F? You know, it's like, what are you kidding me? It was like, you know, like uh, my head was going to explode, you know. Perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing for this, you know. <laughs> so... I had two uh, background singers at the time, uh, Wendy Brown and Cindy Shear, and they they're, they were just wonderful singers. And uh, so <laughs> that was the bad news. And then we're walking out, they announced and everything. We're, we're walking out. We're waiting for the, the whole thing, to, you know, the cue for us to go up on stage. And I'm st just all I was doing was standing there like this, right? And the lens of my right glasses fell right out of my frames and hit the hit the cement <laughs> so so i'm trying to like pick up the thing i'm trying to because i couldn't see without my glasses right so i'm like I'm, I'm trying to put the frames back together and cindy Shear, she had these like little pointy fingernails like this oh, and yeah. so she goes give me that thing right and she goes like this and screws the screw back That's over funny. her face. Does she have another fingernail like with a Phillips head <laughs> I on I thought she was like Inspector Gadget, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. And, and so that, that happened like 30 seconds before we got, you know, out on stage. You know how they have those acrylic... <laughs> That's funny. You know how they have those acrylic nails? Wouldn't that be funny if they could yeah. make like fake nails? Like one had like a Phillips head, yeah. one was a flathead, yeah. one was a nail file. Like a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's on the end of your hand. Oh, that, yeah. that would come in handy. Somebody ought that to make those. They I, should, I, yeah. And we got to patent be, that right away. Be prepared, away. yeah. Yeah, we're co-creators we're co in that. That's perfect. Yes. That's yeah, co-writing. That's, that's the problem with having this podcast. I'm here giving people the ideas, and they're going to get rich off it. But they that's all right, because I'm not going to do it. Trust me. Anybody out there wants to go run with that, you got you got it. It's Inspector Gadget, fingernails. It's on me. So now, are you still doing the Lyra project, you and Deborah? Oh uh, yeah, Lyra Project. Um, Lyra, yeah, we have uh, we have the Goddess CD, which which is out, and uh, you know it's we Deborah's like the front person on that, so you really have to ask her. But um, uh, she, she's doing kind of a break, I think, right at the moment from from that. You know, we okay. did we did we did uh, a lot of dates and a lot of touring and stuff. It's very very hard, you know, uh, to to keep that kind of pace up it really is you know yeah so but it's really good music got some awards out of the whole thing you know songwriting awards and such yeah no, you, know, you guys so. write some good stuff she writes great stuff oh, yeah. beautiful voice and studies with uh with lisa with lisa, lisa. popiel yeah who's uh that's funny you guys are going to see her soon and you know i purposely segued this right around now because well, we're helping her with a workshop yeah but deborah's yeah. pet sitting yeah. at this moment and right. it might be back any minute which is any why second. i kind of segued into the lyra project oh yeah she might come walking in and then she we can might. just continue the conversation but yeah 
but she's not here yet, so let's talk about her. We'll talk about her behind your back. Um, no, she. I think she's she's like um, like going to from the point of view of a studio tech, right? Uh-huh. So like, I get all kinds of different singers in here, and um, you know, inevitably, I'm I'm listening to the pitch and you know all that kind of stuff, and I go, that could be better, you know, and I have all the tools. To, to be able to do that. Sure. So um, I think probably the best overall singer I've ever had in here, like Justin Gorini, you know, um, and uh, he was an American Idol. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, he, you know, we, we would talk a little bit before the before he was actually going to lay down the track. And then he goes, you ready? I go, yeah. He comes in and he just like freaking sings it and nails it like the first time. And it was like, it kind of shocked me because it was so good, right? And... Um, so uh, I said, uh, listen, Justin, could you do another one just for a safety? He does it again, just as good. <laughs> but at least you had a safety. Yeah, yeah, I had a safety. And then, then he did his overdubs and whatnot. Well, you know, when I, when I put his uh, vocal up on, you know, I use Melodyne, uh, but I put his vocal up on Melodyne. I mean, it was like his, his pitch was so good that it was smack on Everywhere. Right, you didn't have to use any didn't have to, tune or didn't have any, to do any tweaking not, whatsoever. Nothing, nothing. But it was just a good exercise it's to actually see dream. it. Yeah, it was like just to see it. It was amazing, right? Yeah. Deborah's like that. Right. She's that good. She 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 is like she has just this really good ability to to sing a pitch, and um, you know she's been compared to Karen Carpenter, uh, you know, uh, a few times. Uh, people like uh, I guess Lucinda Williams. Uh, you know, Mary Chapin Carpenter, you know, in that kind of yeah, range, you yeah, know. She's yeah. in good company. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever worked with Herman Jackson? Speaking of I American not, Idol, no. do you know who he is? No, I have not worked he, with he, him. He, uh, he plays with Stevie Wonder and Alicia Keys. He's got a studio in Sherman Oaks. Hmm. And he did Kelly Clarkson's demo. Oh, okay. Nice. Herman used to be like an old drinking buddy of mine in Sherman oh. Oaks when I lived in L.A., uh, so hopefully I'll be able to get get to talk to him. But uh, I thought maybe you crossed paths since you worked with I'm, Justin. I'm looking forward to uh, L.A. because uh, uh, Chad and I are going to get together and we're probably going to work with Eddie Hedges again. So uh, Eddie was with uh, the Blessed Union of Souls, I believe, right? Got mm-hmm. a platinum tracking record, which is cool. So uh, it'll be fun. Sounds like it. Well, let's pause here. And then see if we see recorded yes. anything. Yeah, that, and then we'll, if Deborah comes back, we could continue a little bit longer. Well, that was Rick Danzine. Uh, yes, sorry, Deborah never did get back to Bafo Studios before I left, so we're just going to have to uh, pick up uh, where we left off with uh, Rick and Deborah Lee another time. Uh, Deborah Lee's got a beautiful voice. She's the second half of the Lyra Project. Uh, her, her and Rick uh, have this fabulous duo. And uh, also, she's um, uh, one of the uh, directors here on the East Coast of the NSAI, the National Songwriters Association International. So I'm sure she's going to want to talk about that. Uh, So in the meantime, fellow road warriors, I'm going for a drive. (laughs) 